Hey, this is The Moment. I'm Brian Koppelman. Thanks for listening. Well, this is exciting. CeCe Sabathia is our guest today. He is not just one of the most accomplished pitchers of his generation, but one of the most accomplished ball players. period. One of the most accomplished athletes of his generation. Oh, thank you. And time. Well, it's just true. I mean, it's just <laughs> you can just look at the impact that you had uh, on the game. And um, I love talking to people who are, have gotten the most out of themselves. That's like the mission. Why I started this was to ask people how they figured out to dig deep enough and what it cost them mm-hmm. emotionally. And you talk about that stuff all the time. So uh, thanks for coming here and, and doing this, man. It's great to have you. No problem. Thanks for having me. I want to start off, you know, I've been thinking, I was thinking a lot about baseball and about how I can almost, and I know you know this because you're so hip in the culture, but I can almost break it out into like my over 40-year-old friends really care about baseball. My under 40-year-old friends mm-hmm. don't care as much. Yeah. So I wanted to start with why do you think baseball is a great game? And why did you choose it over football? Um, I mean, baseball is a great sport just because it's, um, you know, it's just so, I guess, you got to have skill. You got to practice it a lot. Um, You know, it's a lot of repetition. Um, And, you know, to your point, some of these kids don't have attention span for that. You know what I'm saying? Like, I have a nine-year-old right now, and after baseball practice yesterday, I'm like, let's go downstairs. I want to teach you how to play first baseball, blah, blah, blah. He went right to his iPad. Really? You know what I'm saying? So it's just like, it's not, it's not, they don't have the passion that I I feel like our generation growing up in the 80s and 90s had for for baseball. So it's just a different game, a different, it's in a different space now. If you're really not into it, you're you're not into it. But if you are, you are. So my oldest is 16. And he is a baseball fanatic. You know, everything is baseball. Um, he plays basketball, too, but everything is baseball. Everything is wants to take ground balls, wants to hit. He over, he almost overdoes it. So, it's, you know, it's that, it's that gap where it's not even like the common fan in the middle anymore. We're just a casual baseball fan. Right. You either have to be crazy about it or you don't care at all. Oh, that's really fascinating. Right. If you like now in a way where baseball used to be just America's game. Yeah, it should just be the sport. I mean, now it's football. Fans. Now that's football. Right. Because it's so accessible. It's Everything happens really quick. And the NFL do a great job of, of keeping keeping us engaged with the, you know, the, the draft and the combine. They put the combine at primetime now. So they just do a good job of keeping us engaged. And basketball could sell itself. You know, it's a global sport, kind of like soccer. So, Do you think part of it is the multicultural thing, which baseball used to be so multicultural, Mm -hmm. and it's so much less so now? It's it's way less multicultural. And when I grew up, I had a lot of guys that looked like me. I had, you know, Vita Blue was an example. Um, Luis Tian from my generation. Luis Tian. And, and, uh, you know, Dave Stewart was a guy that I really looked up to, you know, growing up up in the Bay. So who's that guy for us now? You know what I'm saying? Like, it's me. It was me. I'm, I'm retired. Stroman. It's three or four pitchers, you know what I'm saying? So it's not it's not the and the inner city impact that it used to have, you know. But what is it that people who don't understand baseball, what is it that they miss about the beauty of the game? You know, there are guys, old guys. It's usually old white guys. I mean, William Roden writes great about it, and he's uh, not an old white guy, <laughs> Bill Roden. But it's usually old old white guys. Like I'm 53. I'm talking about yeah. guys who are old to me, yeah. like 75 that and 85 year olds yeah, yeah, yeah. that write poetically about it. Conservative guys. You know, it's George Will or Roger Angel who's not conservative, but those guys who... It's still that. What yeah, What is it? Do you it, see the beauty in it? I do. It's still that. But but like I said, you have to be in it and you have to be a real fan of it. And I didn't realize how much of a, of a real baseball fan I was until this year. Really? You know, I thought Why? I was just what? a player and, you know, this is my job. job. I have to do this. I have to know it. But... 
Like the first thing I did this offseason was went to a cup. I mean, this this spring training was went to a Cubs game. You know, and I'm so sitting there. Funny. I want to watch John Lester pitch, and yes. so I know I'm gonna be at a lot of baseball games because you know I'm just a huge fan of it. Where, did you like? So you were um, a, an incredible high school football player, mm-hmm. also, right? Mm-hmm. What was it? A pure business decision to choose baseball, or was there something about um, playing the game that felt better? No, I mean, baseball was always the easiest thing for me. Like, I always had a high baseball IQ. Like, I could always tell you what base to throw to. When I was eight or nine years old, I could be like a coach out on the field. Like, my dad can show me something, and my coach can show me something, and I could tell the other players. Um, but, yeah, I mean, picking baseball in high school was a pure business decision. You know, my grandmother passed away to February before I get drafted in June, and me and my mom were kind of out of money. You know, so I get drafted in the first round, and the, the Indians offer me 1.3, and we like, hell yeah. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, we hit the lottery. You know what I mean? So yes. it was, uh, it, yeah, it was a business decision in, in, in that the first two or three months that I was there, I, I mean, the first three days I was in rookie ball, I cried every night. I, t- I called my mom. I was like, do I have to get his money back if I come home? Like, I was so homesick, had never been away from home for that long. So, um, yeah, I mean – I had to really like suck it up and and really you know do that for my family if that makes sense. Well, of course it makes sense. It's the thing that fans, we all. I mean, even my prof- I have a bunch of friends who are professional athletes, and even them, when we switch into fan mode, we can talk about players forgetting that they're human sometimes, right? You just flip into, well, he should fucking stay with that team because I like that team. Yeah, but, yeah, but yeah, the yeah. truth is, of course, like you, you said, you're, you had. Uh, a death in the family and a financial uh, situation. Crisis, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And do you think had that not been the case, did you like football as I much? I love football. I think I think had that not been the case, I would have went to college and played both. Can you throw a real tight spiral? Yeah, yeah. I was a, I was a good football player, but but I hadn't really reached my potential because I, I I was a fat kid, so I didn't get to play Pop Warner. I didn't start playing football until I was in the ninth grade, and then it just like clicked for me. So. I don't really think anybody really know what I could have been as a football player because I only played four years. Was that the case for you in all the sports where it just made sense? Like, the, I'm fascinated that at eight and nine, the game just made sense to mm-hmm. you. Your IQ was just right for this situation. Did all sports hit you that way? Were you just naturally that coordinated? Basketball. Well, I played soccer, so that helped me. Um, basketball was not easy, but I could. I understood. I, yeah, I mean, I, I really understood sports. I can say that from the time I could remember. You know, I could, I could sit down and watch a game, a whole football game, a whole basketball game, a whole soccer game. Like, I could, I could sit down and really watch sports. So, yeah, I mean, I feel like I always had, like, a pretty high IQ for for all sports, and, and that's what makes me a fan of all of them. Do you think that's the, uh, the case? I've had various athletes I've, I've talked about this, and I'm always interested in where they land on this. How much of it can be worked? Because people ask me this about writing all the time, and I'm conflicted when I answer them because part of me thinks, yes, you have to work incredibly hard. If you have the talent to do it, you still have to kill yourself. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if you weren't born with some natural spark to it if all the work in the world will make Could a help difference. It, right? Yeah. Yeah. And what do you think about that with regard to sports? I think, no, I think you have to have a little bit of it. I think, uh, yeah, I mean, nobody can explain why I could throw a ball hard when I was six years old with my left hand. You know what I mean? Like, and you were a righty. And I was a righty. I grew up a righty. And my dad came home one day and was like, no way this kid could be that fucking terrible in sports. Like, let me, let me put a glove on the other hand and, and turn me around hitting. And, you know, the rest is history. So, 
Yeah, I mean, I think you just I mean, you have to find it too because we had to find that. You know what I mean? He had to he had to be had the foresight to say, well, no way this kid's that bad. Like he's this coordinated, no way he could be that bad in baseball. So he was like, you're throwing with did the wrong hand. Did you play other sports? What did you play basketball? Are you righty or lefty in basketball? I mean, around the basket, I can use both hands. Bowling, well, I can shot? use lefty. Um, throwing a football, a lefty. So uh, what are you Bowling, righty. righty. I write right-handed. If I kick the soccer ball, be right-footed. Like, so it's just weird, man. Did you and Phil Mickelson weird. ever talk about it? Because, <laughs> you know, he's, he's a righty. He's a righty, yeah. He's a righty who uh, plays left. Jabba Chamberlain is a lefty that play, that, that does that everything right. righty. Yeah. yeah. So you were six. You didn't know you were good, at, really good at sports until you were six or seven. Uh, and then it so happened. you know what? Like where I grew up in Vallejo, we had. I mean, if I like, if I had to rank like the athletes out of my city, I would probably be tenth and on that list. Like it was some really, really great athletes, even from my generation that I played with. So I wasn't even the best kid at the little league. You know, like I didn't really turn on. Like people didn't really start paying attention to me till I was like thirteen or fourteen. And when did it become super important to you? When it was were you always like- su- it was always super important to me. Like this, is, I always tell my son this too. Like I, I grew up super competitive baseball. I grew up in the hood. I grew up in the inner city. But we played baseball. Baseball was our thing. Like that was like what we did. Um, and I would put, pitch a big game when I was eleven years old, and it feels the same, just like going out against the Red Sox. Like, it was that big to me that. back then. So I love that. It was all in training. You know what I'm saying? Like, all of that but you anxiety it- and all of that stuff that I used to feel at 11 years old is what you feel out there pitching Yankee Stadium. So you the learned Sox. to control that when you were 12 years old. Oh, well, I didn't. Not- I, it was bad. <laughs> I would cry on the mound. My mom really was the one that, like, you know, kind of honed in everything. Because I was, I mean, I was still yelling at umpires back then. Like, I was really bad. So she would take me off the field. She would do all kind of different things. Oh, she would take you off the field? Oh, yeah. Like, I remember one time she came out. She did her own mound visit. Like, came right out of the stands, came <laughs> out. Because I used to ride my bike to the park because she went. She came She came yeah. from work to my game. Right. So I would, I would, after school, ride my bike home, go take a nap, do whatever my dad may take me, take a nap before every game. Take a nap and then drive, ride my bike to the, to the field. And I remember one time she made me get on my bike and go home. She finished watching the game and, and I had to go sent, home. She sent you home yeah. because your behavior was so bad. Yeah. Yeah, I was just talking about this the other day. I used to I played tennis kind of competitively, and I used to throw my racket. And I, like I once threw it, and I went over the um, like the gate. And then you know you feel like such an idiot because you have to walk all the way out and it. around to get your racket. And the walk back, you just feel so stupid holding the racket in your hand. But like what people see in me now, going off on umpires and doing all that shit, like I've been doing that since I was ten years old. Yeah, well, it's part of the competitive fire in you. But when you say it was important, did you think? Or when did you start to think, I have a different kind of desire? So you were skilled, but when did you start to realize, I might have a different like desire level than a bunch of these kids I'm playing with. I yeah. might, I maybe could do this for so real. So it wasn't, it wasn't the desire level, because I think we all had it. It was the decision making. So you speak know, to that. Speak growing to that. up in, in the inner city, growing up in the hood, you have to make decisions that by the third or fourth grade, what are you going to be? And, 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 you know. I was making decisions to put me on the right path to to go to straight and narrow, if that makes sense, I guess. It makes complete sense. So it was it was more decision making than it you... was well, I just I mean, I had I had like I said, I was so many great examples of athletes and so many of them had messed up. And I was just like, I don't wanna do that. I'm not gonna do that. I'm not gonna be this guy. Like 
I want to be the one that like is the example. Even and, as a, at a young age. Yeah. So did you not get in trouble at school ever? Um, I mean, talking and stuff like that, but no, nothing like. Right. No, I never. I never. I mean, I don't. I, I got suspended one time in the fifth grade. Um, I did later. Yeah, I, I don't. Suspended once yeah, too. I never in high school or in junior high did I like from sixth grade to high school. Never did I really get in trouble because no. you were because I knew that 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 wasn't the path I wanted to go down. And I knew that that was going to take me away from playing sports. And my mom didn't fuck around. Right. She kicked me off the, the basketball team when I was in the 10th grade because I had a C. Right. So it wasn't any of that. You know, and I had both my parents in the house for most of the part. My parents split when I was 12. And I didn't see my dad again until I was about, I mean, I saw him off and on, but he never seen me play in high school. He never uh, came he to ne- a game. He never, he came to one high school football game and I went off. Right. But he never, he never saw me play high Did school he baseball or basketball. He moved to San Jose, which was an hour and a half away. Right, oh, man, that um, must have made you angry. You never came to a game. Yeah, it, I mean, we were so close when I was a kid that it. I don't. And my mom did a really good job of not destroying that relationship. It's so important. So you know, when we did get back together, you know, he struggled with addiction and all that stuff. So yes, when we I've did read you talk about that, yeah. Yes. So when we did connect back again, it was just like I had my dad back. So that's great. When whenever that happened, um, he would come down to spring training. I was already playing pro ball, and he lived with me the first my first three years in the big league. So. We became roommates. Was that helpful? It was awesome. Yeah, right. I mean, I, I would have been in some real trouble because I was young. Oh, I know. I, yeah, had I some money talk. and yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, no, of course. He was, you know, right after I got robbed, he came and, and lived with me and stayed with me the rest of the time. And when so you made you started making these good decisions at a young age where you were like, I think I have this possibility. But you had the did did any adult in your life other than in your family was there any teacher or coach who were, who, who said like you could. You could do this. This seems like a possible career my for mom, you. For sure, yeah. My mom and my grandmother, for sure. Like, um, you know, they they treated it as I was already a professional athlete. My grandmother already, for sure. I had an older cousin that's he's he would be he would be twelve. He's twelve years older than me. He passed away. I'm sorry. Um, I'm sorry. But he was a huge. He played for the Raiders. He played uh, NFL Europe. He went to college at University of Reno. Right. And he was just always a good example for me to follow. So I wanted to be exactly like him. So they are. So they saw what he was, and they just treated me like I was already a professional. So right, that's a hugely valuable thing to have something to model, a mm-hmm. person to model, especially and- in that situation. You know how I grew up, like having a positive role model. I actually went to college, and I was playing, you know, pro- professionally. He was playing in NFL Europe, but he was playing professionally. So that's still. I mean, yeah, that's being it was a professional. It was athlete. a big deal. Yeah. Right. So it didn't seem to you like um, an impossible dream. Just it really a dream didn't. that you had to really work. It at. was something that I knew I had to work at, and, and I had to stay out of trouble, and I knew my mom was going to be hard on me, but it was it was very reachable. It was very attainable. Like the goal was very attainable. Just just because of I seen him do it right coming right up. We lived in the same house. Right. And did you think about leadership back then too when you were the best athlete on the teams or did that come later? That came later. So that came from my high school coach. Um his name was Abe Hobbs and um I met him when I was in the 8th grade. I was 14 and he tells the story that uh we were running laps and I was playing for my cousins. I had two twin cousins that um, were a year older than me, and they were already playing on the JV team. And our team used to practice across the field, and I we would run laps. And I wouldn't run, so I would, like, hide behind a bush or, like, a fence or something. And I had Snickers in my back pocket, so I always what? had, like, candy in my back. Oh my like, running was never something that I was going to do. I relate so, so deeply to this, dude. You have no idea how deeply I so relate we to this. Meet, So my cousin brings me over. He's like... Uh, this is my coach. This is Coach Hobbs. And, um, you know, he asked me what position I played. I told him first base. Um, and, and he was, and he said, something, he said something like, do you pitch? And I said, 
the pitchers were out in the outfield running. And I was like, well, what do those guys do? And he was like, those are the pitchers. I was like, nah, I play first. Like, I don't, I don't pitch at all. So that was our first encounter. And he was like a dad to me. Like, at the time when my father had left, yes. you know, kind of Coach Hobbs kind of stepped in and, we still have a really, really close when relationship today. When did you throw today. for him? What happened when you first threw for him? So you didn't know you were a pitcher then, even? I, I pitched back then, but I, I knew that I wasn't going right. to be running. You know what I mean? Yeah, cool. So I, my yes, primary position was first base. Um, and I started pitching I started pitching right away, ninth grade. And did, um, were they like, school. holy shit, you can throw? Um, I think everybody had knew at that, by that, at, at that point. By the time I was 14, like I said, 13, 14, I was playing. Um, I was going out of the state to play. I was, you know, playing post-550 with 17-year-olds. Right. I was already... So like what what pitches did you have then? Just a fastball and a curveball. That's it. Two yeah. pitches, fastball. So yeah. So I mean, I even got drafted throwing just, just a fastball and a curveball, and not even on the seams. Like I threw my fastball. I I, I wish I could show you guys. It's a weird grip. So my senior year of high school, I only threw ninety three miles an hour. The that summer, I get drafted. I get drafted in June. By the end of July, they taught me a four seam where I was throwing ninety eight to hundred. That's amazing. So I had really no teaching or anything like they taught me delivery the indians taught me literally everything from the ground up and i was a totally different pitcher that they had drafted you know what right. i mean yeah of course but a totally better pitcher a totally better pitcher and even when i got drafted i called mike shapiro mark shapiro called me on the phone and i'm like am i playing first or am i pitching like i had no idea because i was still because in high school you were still I a still great hitter both. i mean you were yeah. able to do all that and stuff, i went to right? area codes as a first baseman you know what i mean i pitched the last day for three innings and that was it everything else was just you know hitting so um, it was a couple teams that wanted to draft me as a hitter, and the Indians were a team that wanted to draft me Did as a hitter. Did you care? I didn't at that care. Time? At, that, at that time, I didn't, I didn't really care, no. I mean, I, I wish I could say I, I wanted you to. You didn't identify yourself as a, a pitcher. No, nah, I was just a baseball player. I didn't even care. Like, and, and I felt like if pitching didn't work out, then I was going to go hit. I'm you know, sure, like I, I could have yes. did it. I'm sure baseball freaks know this, but like for, for most people, your op- the openness, right? Because a couple different ways you could – you could frame it if you're thinking about it, but if I'm thinking about people who listen to this, who are a lot of people listen to this are trying to figure out they're like at a spot in their lives where they're trying to decide what to go all in on, and and the fact that you stayed open in a way, willing to sort of take to is do really whatever. says something great about your mindset, which was I'm a baseball player, and I'll figure it out. Yeah, you know, and and I just wanted the opportunity. I just want the opportunity. You know what I mean? Like I, I just felt like if you just you guys give me a shot to do whatever, I'm I'll figure it out. So. Yeah, I didn't want to, like, box myself into one thing. Like, and I always kept that open. Even my first two years, I mean, I didn't, I didn't feel like I was progressing like I needed to. And I was like, man, fuck it, I'll just go hit. You know what I mean? But, right. but doors kept opening up. We didn't have a lot of pitching in Cleveland, and I ended well, up Well, you got to the majors so young. I mean, yeah. you got to the majors at how old? 20 years 20. old. Yeah, yeah. Which is still a crazy it was, it was It was a year too late for me, though. I wanted to be a teenager. <laughs> well, of, course. <laughs> of course you did. I've seen Andrew Jones play in the World right. Series as a teenager. I'm like, that's going to be me. Yeah, well, never, you know, it rarely happens as, as soon as we want it to happen. Cause, but I also think it has, I was 30 when Dave and I got to make our first movie, Rounders, and I often think, um, at the time, I was like, oh, it should have happened younger, but I don't know if it happened younger. It would have been different, right? I don't right? know if that would have been great. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know. for sure, yeah. I don't know if that would have been a great thing no, for it's, me. No, I had to mature. Like, it took me, yeah. It took me a long time even in the big leagues to mature. You know, you. I've, I listen to your podcast, which I think is excellent. And you. Um, and you were... Uh, you, you were talking about um, 
the sort of culture of baseball that you ran up against when you were young. Mm -hmm. How there was a way, the order to the way things were done. There was a uh, rookie supposed to act a certain way. But I want to talk a little bit about the baseball code because it's so much in the conversation these days. Mm -hmm. do, you, do you believe in baseball justice? No. No, I mean, not and, in the sense like there's of... there's a way you're supposed... No, nah, that's trash to me. There's tell, a, there's a, there's a right way to play the game. Nah, fuck that. I hate that. Like, for me, the best baseball that we watch now is doing the World Baseball Classic, right? right. And that's everybody showing their emotion. You hit a home run, you fucking bat flip, flip, point right. to the... It's hard to play baseball. So, like, you, you're you gonna fail all the time. You expect me to, like, when I do well, not to fucking get excited? Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, I don't know. I mean, for me, I mean, if I'm walking off and I strike you out in a big situation, I'm jumping, I'm cussing, I'm, you know what I mean? Right. Like, so if you hit a homer in that situation, I have no problem with you bat flipping and walking all the way first base because it's hard to do. Right. So, and, and you wouldn't feel an obligation to throw at that person. Not at all. Time. I'm never throwing at anybody for, for, Hitting or bat flipping right. or walking or whatever. Only if they hurt one of your teammates. Only if they hurt one of my. If the only only time I ever threw at somebody is when they threw at us first. Right. Um, well, then you feel like there's an obligation. You got to yeah. stand up for your. Yeah, you I mean, so that's guys. the only baseball justice I believe in. And but other and, than that, and what about the sort of like the morality question, like the 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 the, the, the way that baseball? Because for me, as an outsider, I grew up. I could still name every member of the Cincinnati and Yankees teams that I could tell you all the guys on the bench, right? I loved it. Um, and, uh, but I know that like there were big bowls of amphetamines on the, in every single clubhouse back then. And so I look at these stereotypes and every reporter walked by them. They knew what the <laughs> beans were. It's been in books. I mean, it's not a secret, yeah, right? Yeah. And so I can't understand. See, I, can't, I played in that era. So uh, I played at you the played beginning. You I mean the beginning the, of your career? There the beginning was still of my career, it was still all that shit was around. I don't know about bowls of amphetamines, but the shit was around. Right. It was around. I guess when Jim Bouton wrote about it, Ball 4, he said it was like they would have a bowl of beans. Nah, but maybe by the time you were there. By the time I was there, no. Nah, it, it wasn't hidden, but it wasn't just like out. But it's totally available. But it was totally available. I mean, I'm saying it, it wouldn't have been a hard thing to say, I'm Tom Dragon, give me something. No. And then someone would give you something. Yeah. So for me, when I know that, and that's so part of the history of the game, the most, you know, all the players of the era that I grew up in, the, all the classic eras of the game, they're celebrated, but the Roger Clemenses of the world yeah, are, and, it, and that's and a Barry hard thing. Bonds. That's a hard thing for me, like, because I, I played against Barry, I watched Clemens pitch, and those guys are great without whatever people think they took. Right. And the thing is, is it's sports, it's entertainment, like... Who cares? So even agreed. if they did. And Barry was already a, a Hall of Famer before he even went to San Francisco. He's top 20 so, baseball player of, of all, all time, time without it. Without it. Of all take, time. If you take that whole part of his career out, he's still and, top and 20. I'm not, and I mean, this is going to sound crazy, but I play with a lot of guys that I feel like they were on steroids and they were trash. They could not hit. So you still have to hit. <laughs> I would much rather face a guy on steroids than somebody that knows what, what's well, coming. That's right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. Like, someone stealing your... Right. Yeah, so it's, it's a, you know, I mean, I, I, the, and, I, and like I said, I played in the steroid era and I kind of came up in it and it never really bothered me. Right. So for you, uh, uh, so do you agree with me that there's some... I'm, or do you understand why I think it's a little hypocritical for the, all those guys who knew that everyone was taking fucking... Um, speed to be mad about steroids yeah i don't it's weird man i don't i don't know i, I hope one day all those guys get in um i think they all deserve to be in, in they the do right if you had a vote you'd put I, clemens I put, in and you'd put for sure bonds in one thousand percent yes 
Me too. I can't understand how you vote. I, I, it, it's for me, it's, it's, it's sports. It's entertainment. Just be happy that you're entertained. It is what it is. Like, guys hitting balls 900 feet, I want to see that. Like, it, you know, whatever you got to do. You know yeah. what I'm saying? No, it's not your life, you know? No, me too. I mean, I think even back to the – it's always been a thing, and I'm I'm interested in it because I'm so interested in cultural shifts and, like, the cultural shift away from baseball, I think part of it has to do with this urge that the sport constantly has to tamp down the individual. When we live in an era where we love the individual star mm-hmm. in basketball basketball, and in football. football. Yeah. We want that. And I think about even in the era where Reggie Jackson, my favorite player of all time, he got so much shit. He did. For just wanting to be proud of his accomplishments. I, th- I think, too, I think the, this generation of baseball players, I think we've learned a lot, too. So I think it's hard for us to put ourselves out. And I think it's hard for, you know, guys to be on Instagram and try to make themselves a star when the game, you're going to fucking fail. So how are you uh, going to deal with that if you're on Instagram and you're doing all this stuff and you, it's hard to deal with that. Like, there'll be days where I'm pitching that night, it's a Friday night, and I'm like, hey, get all my friends, let's go to dinner tonight. If I pitch bad, guess who ain't going to dinner tonight? I'm going to fuck home. You know what I'm saying? Like, so that's just, I think that's just the way baseball players are programmed, too. Because yeah. it's so hard to play, you know? Well, so much of it just falls on you. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's like that sick scene in The Untouchables. You ever see the movie yeah, The Untouchables? Of course. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that whole big speech about individual <laughs> achievement versus whatever. You know, if you don't feel these a bum, and even though it's a sick sociopathic mobster, it does make sense that it he's got a baseball sense. bat in his hand and he's talking about a baseball player, right? It like does because of the way baseball players think about yeah. this. And you're right. Like um, I, I saw you reference Bob Welsh, and of course he was part of one of those greatest. You know, when he against Reggie in '78, yeah. that crazy thing where he struck Reggie. Yeah, I didn't even I hadn't even never seen that until I read it in his book. Oh, I remember it like. And that was like was a 12. big deal, right? I was yeah, 12 yeah, years old. Yeah. So, like, I mean, watching what he did. And was that before he then was... That was before he went to That rehab. was before he got mm-hmm. himself together and then came back. Mm-hmm. So he was just dealing with that He was dealing with those pressure. demons, yeah. And does the pressure ever get less? Like, No, the pressure was never... That's why I said, like, the pressure yes. was never less for me from the time I was... From the time I knew I wanted to make the profession, from whenever that was, 13 or 14, when I knew I was going to have to take care of my family... It was always the same pressure until I was 39 years old, until I just retired. It, I felt the same no matter what, no matter what game, no matter what situation. It was it's always. It's funny. The same. You and I were in an elevator together, but we were. It was a at. Um, we were in like some elevator to suites at the Deontay Wilder fight. Uh huh. And I was looking at you as we were walking, and I was wondering that, thinking that you m- might be able to relate to what was going through that guy's head. Yes. In a way. I know Deontay came and was on our show, so I got to spend a little time with him. So I had um, a kinch. I was rooting for him hard. I had a uh, empathy for him. Mm-hmm. But I was looking at you in the elevator, and I was like, "Man, this is the one guy in the place who knows what's yeah. in your head." You know. So when I like, uh, I, I had like this video that I would watch before games, and it, and it was Mike Tyson describing walking to the ring, really, and how it felt like, and how you know he was nervous, and you know his hands were sweaty. But by the time he got to the fucking steps, I'm a god. Like, this is what I'm supposed... Like, everything building up to the to a start against the World Series, the ball, whoever. Like, I'm walking out there. I'm warming up. I'm nervous. But as soon as the fucking lights come on and we run out there and they play the music and it's Big Papa and I'm on the mound, this is my shit. Like, this yes. is what I do. You know what I'm saying? So, it's a weird thing. I, I could never imagine getting in the ring to fight somebody. 
You know what I'm saying? Like, I could never put, try to put, I'm not trying to put myself there. No, but, but you're that anticipation and walking up having and, to hypnotize and yourself. everything being on you, like, you definitely feel like that as a starter, especially pitching for, Yank, for the Yankees. In the Bronx, yeah, of like, course, in the World Series. Yeah, I mean that this, the shit is on you. Like this is is we either gonna win or lose because of you. But I also thought when he knocked the guy out, and he was for that second the best in the world. Mm-hmm. I've always my whole life been fascinated by best in the world, and like when you were the best in the world, when you won the Cy Young, after sort of all the decisions you had to make to get there, were you able to have a moment of drinking it in? Where it was like, I am, this matters to me. I I am the best in the world. Not after the Cy Young. Because, um, I, 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 like, the, that year that I won the Cy Young in 2007, and I say this all the time, if I pitch the way I'm supposed to pitch in the playoffs, we win the World Series. And I bring a title to Cleveland. So I felt empty. Like, I did all of this shit for nothing. Uh. Like, I did all of this. I had this amazing year. I was locked in all year. I stayed on my shit. I... Like, I finally, like, matured as a player, as a man, and everything, like, but I couldn't get it done when it mattered the most. And that's, so, I, I mean, I don't think I slept that offseason. I, I mean, I I mean, I felt like I wanted to get a trophy back. I didn't want to come to New York to fucking, to, to receive the trophy. I was embarrassed. I was really embarrassed after that. Not until after we won, had the parade, and, I, like, I won a World Series did I feel like, I can like. I almost felt like I could retire. Right, sure. You know, but so you didn't allow yourself to be like I'm the best at something because you felt like you let yourself down. I let let a whole city down. Well, that's you know. So it wasn't. You really own it that way. You really own it. I still own it that way for sure. I mean, like I said, I mean, I would I would have had that parade. Like Cleveland is was starving for a winner and a parade and a champion, and we were that team. But how deep do you and LeBron connect with each other? Yeah, I mean, do you and LeBron connect very deep? We do because. You know, of that love for that I, city, I, and just that feeling of that particular pressure in, in that city. When you're the when you're the guy in that city, yes. you want to you want to deliver deliver for those people. So I understand what Baker Mayfield's going through. Right. You know what I mean? Like you, you I mean, yeah. Those fans love you, and they want a winner. They starving for a winner. So so that hunger, that hunger, you couldn't let that hunger be satisfied until you got this other prize. And even in order to keep yourself. It wasn't even, I don't even think it was to keep myself going. It was just to, it was just how I felt. You know, I mean, I think you ultimately, you want to win a championship. And and to be that close and to be the guy that is supposed to take the city there, the team there, everybody's looking at you, and you can't step up. And even the next year, I go to, to, I get traded halfway through the year. I go to Milwaukee. I want to ask you all about the Milwaukee. I have a lot of questions about that. So, yeah, I was locked in that whole second half. I mean, you know. Yeah, 11, I I mean, you went 11 and 2. Mm Mm-hmm. And you, uh, you you came in in the middle of that. You pitched the last, what, three starts with three, three days, days rest. rest. Mm-hmm. Right, all that. I don't look at anything. Today. I have all this <laughs> no, one of my son's friends, okay, I'm not allowed to say his name for a variety of reasons, but one of my son's <laughs> friends knows everything about it. He's like, you have to really concentrate on Milwaukee. you got to learn a lot about it. Because what he was saying was, you, uh, you, put, you were at a, an inflection point in your career because you were about to become a free agent, and it was all going to pay off. And then you just completely like sold out, not in the good sense. You you gave everything to get Milwaukee to the playoffs. You like put the team on your back. Yeah. And I'm wondering about how you did the math about whether you should be selfish or not. 
in that spot. No, I figured that if I I figured I was locked in and I felt good and I figured the more that I pitched, the more money I was making myself. My agent was pissed. Like he was mad. He was like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, right. "Trust me, I know what I'm doing. Like I, I'm good." But Wait, a part mean, of that run, yeah, was like me. Like that was for Cleveland too a little bit. That was like trying to show them like what I can do or like you know what I'm yes. saying like. And yeah, it was it was weird. I was pitching for both cities. Well, if that makes sense. You just in a full. It does make sense to me. You were trying to, you were, you were sort of galvanized by what had happened, and you were like, okay, well, I'm gonna now, sh- I'm gonna do this. Yeah, thing. it was. I had to. Did you I feel you were in some kind of like, full? No, I was in the zone. That's what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, I was locked in. Like all those games mashed into one. Like it was all those, all those starts are like one long ass game for me. Like it was, it was, it didn't matter. So like it, it wasn't. Me pitching on three days rest was my decision. Right. I went into Dale Swain's office and I told him, like, I'm pitching in two days. And then I went in there again and told him, I'm pitching and in two days. How much is your arm hurting when you're doing that? It did, my, arm never, my arm didn't hurt until, until, until yeah. I threw it out a, a couple months so ago. So you've been doing that? Did not hurt? Not at all. Your arm? Not at all. Not, I mean, if it did, I would have stopped. Right. It never, I never felt anything. It never hurt. And, and like I said, I felt like I owed it. I owed to the baseball, to baseball people, to myself, to my family, my mom. Like, I, like I need to show you guys what I can fucking do when it when it really matters. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. I, I, and I, and I figured, you know, the more that I'm doing this, the 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 more it's, it's going to help me get to the Yankees. And, and even because though nothing, that wasn't the view a lot of people had, a lot of people were like, he's pitching himself out, right? Yeah, and, yeah. And, and I, I think even Cashman thought that too. Right. I think a lot of people thought that, but no, I mean. Honestly, the the second half of 2006 until 2010, yes, I felt. I mean, I was you know, I was who you know, I was the best I was going to be. I, that was the best part of my career. Right. Oh yeah, that was the, the second half. The, the whole... second half of 2006 all the way into 2010, maybe even 11, and then the playoffs in 12. So like those those years were my best. And are you always somebody who's fueled? I I talked to a lot of people about this. Do you remember along the way the the people who didn't believe in you or gave you a hard time? Does that fuel you, or does just do you do you get fuel out of sort of like, well, I'm gonna win for this person, or I'm gonna, you know, some of us are motivated by anger, some of us are motivated by love. In a way. Yeah, my mine was more Sometimes fear. It's both. Mine was fear of failing. Uh-huh. Mine was fear of you know not being the best athlete from Vallejo and not being you know living up to what everybody said was Hall of Fame potential. You know, not. There was fear. It was more fear of, of everything. And, you know, I, I never really, I never got angry, you know, when people wrote shit about me or I saw one article in the Baseball America. I never got mad. I mean, I never got mad about it. It was just like, that's a real possibility. Like, really? that could happen. That's how you took it. That's how I took it. More right, so I think so Tiger, than, I'm, I relate to Tiger when he's just like, oh, really? You think I'm not going to major? Yeah. I relate to that. Yeah, see, I've no, had to I, lose I that never, in myself. But I but, could never, like, I'm not I'm not playing for the, that person or not playing for you. I'm, like, I'm playing uh, out of the fear of I could turn into that article. Right. You know what I mean? Not so yes. much in, yeah, not so much the people on Twitter that's talking shit. Like, I don't care about that. Like. I'm not playing for you. I'm playing for my family. I'm playing for the Yankees. You know what I'm saying? So of I'm course. playing for the organization. So I never let that shit bother me at all, really. But that's also why the failures. But so I do remember. I remember one time. I remember uh, Bob Ryan, the guy from know, Boston. Boston he, columnist, basketball he, columnist. Yeah, really. he said some shit about me on ESPN that pissed me off one time, and and uh, yeah, that, that's about it though. But but I never really. I, I made sure that I was gonna shove it up Boston's ass. Oh, you every, did. Yeah, I tried. Oh, that's good. I tried so to beat him every fucking time. Because of what he said, but that was it. That uh, was it. I did that once. I was at a I was at a Knicks game, and when they were playing the Bulls with Scotty and Jordan, 
and I said some shit to Scotty about the migraine or something, mm-hmm. I, and he just looked at me. I was really close up, <laughs> and he just looked at me, and he went off for like 35, <laughs> and every time he scored, he, he was right in my face, and I learned. I was really young, but I just learned, like, be careful. Don't, don't piss him off. Be careful when and you that's, piss and that's someone like, like that uh, Eric Wedge told me that. Don't give people a reason to want to kick your ass, you know? Like, I used to be out on the mound, stomping around, talking shit, yelling at people, doing whatever. He'd be like, what are you doing? That stuff's fun to watch. It, it was, but it was it was draining. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like the first six years of my career was a lesson in how to control my emotions. Really? My anger, my excitement, you know, my fear, my anxiety, all of that shit. I was learning how to control all of that. And I will be walking around, strutting around, almost kind of like Marcus Stroman if you watch him pitch. Sure. We were the same. I was thinking of uh, Al Robofsky, the mad yeah. Hungarian. Yeah, exactly. You remember that guy? Yeah, yeah, I would yeah. do like, so I'll be barking and yelling at the twins, doing sure. all kind of shit. And he pulled me in the office one day. He was like, go out and pitch like if you up seven runs or down seven runs, it's exactly the fucking same. Stay even keel, don't show no emotion, and watch how, watch how you roll through people. And, and, and it, you started and, to do that. And I started to kind of do that. And it worked for you. It worked for me until I was pissed off. You never had no. I was gonna say you never. <laughs> you never. It's not like you ever had no emotion. Yeah, no. But, I mean, I always showed emotion. But you worked on that. Yeah. How did you make the decisions about um, friendships and stuff? Because when someone becomes successful in a in a public arena, all these demands from people from their past, and if you've been making decisions from when you were young, how did you figure out at a young age who to trust, who to keep in your life? Who to know, all right, well, I can give you two grand, but I can never see you again. How did you figure that out? Did it take a long time or a short time? It took me a long time. Um, I grew up in a small community, had a bunch of friends. I kind of grew up in a crew. So I only got two friends out of that now, you know. Um, did that crew, were they all guys who played ball with you we too? We all played together. We all played together from damn near T-ball. We all went to school together from T-ball all the way through high school. And, but you had to let some of them. Had to let a lot of them go um, just because, yeah, I mean, it's hard to, to like stay friends and, you know, tend to their needs and try to be a professional athlete. And, you know, one would get mad if I flew one out to a certain city and he didn't get to go. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I think I dealt with that until about, until I came to New York, really. Really? Yeah. Um, just managing it. And then you had to draw And then I just had to lines. just draw hard. And, and you know what happened is I moved from uh, the West Coast. I, I ended up moving out here with my family. And at the time, we had three kids. And yes. I was just like, this is who I really need to fucking focus on. This is who. Right. This is all that matters at the end of the day. Th- this is my mom. You know, so once I figured that out and we moved here, me and my wife got closer. Everything kind of changed. And. You know, the, the kind of the fake friends that just fell by the wayside. And now, you know, the the, the two buddies that were always there, that would always, the, the, <laughs> yeah, that the, the other fun. friends would get mad about that I'm flying them out, are still there. And they're the guys that helped me make the decision to come to New York. You know, all of that shit. Those are, so, well, those are, the, those are, those are real my real friends. And I, and, I, and I have, you know, one real, my older my oldest friend, D, I, my, he's older than me, but I, I can always call him and he'd give me a real fucking answer about everything. No, don't do that. That's fucking stupid. Or yes, right. if you want to do it, you got to do it. You know, the he'll tell you the truth. He'll tell me the fucking truth because that's every hard. time. It's hard if you're a rich person or a famous person. Or fa- it's really hard to get people to tell you the truth. You're yeah. both. You're rich and famous, so it's hard. How how long did it take you to get used to accepting that this money wasn't going away? You really had it. That like you you were able to have generational wealth right yeah it, it that was hard though right you know it that's like hard. it's like survivor's remorse a little bit um especially coming from like i always say coming from where i'm coming from it's coming no, from it's the important left. to say that yeah it's, it's it's you feel like a survivor's remorse you feel like you owe so many people this right. and that and 
Yeah, Did that, that take you a long time to process? Took me a long time to process that, and you know, I, I they gave me one point three million dollars when I was seventeen, right? And then I signed another deal when I was twenty one. But that's being rich, but that's not, not that's like, not generational wealth. It's yeah, not, so that's what kind of really broke up my friend group was this contract. They all thought I had one hundred sixty one million dollars that day, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, you need to buy apartment complex, you need to do this, you need to do all kind of shit. I'm like, what? Right. Get the fuck out of here. Nobody helped me get here right. but me. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, like, well, you had an opportunity. So but how do you think about um how do you think about raising rich kids? Yeah. That's, so much of your hunger, like every third word out of your mouth is about you, you were able to focus because the alternative mm-hmm. was unacceptable to you. Mm-hmm. The alternative of still living that life was not acceptable to you, right? Yeah. You were gonna become successful. Is it hard to de- raise kids and try to give them a sense of it's, it's responsibility hard. and ambition when they're know that really they're going to be comfortable for their lives. Yeah, it's hard. But the, the weird thing about my oldest son is he hard, he has the drive, and I don't really know where it comes from. Just innate. It's just in there, and and I, I love to see like Steph Curry and and, and Clay Thompson, and you know all, you know I always give them those examples of, of guys that really came from you know good families and you know wealthy families that really still have that drive and. This is what you have to do. I'm always amazed by that, too. Yeah. The, Even I mean, when I see Tim Hardaway cheering for his son, I'm always just like, look at that. Yeah, and it's, it's, so and it's more and more guys' sons playing now. You know what I mean? More so than I feel like generations before. And is your oldest a baseball player? My oldest plays baseball, That's the yeah. one you were saying loves baseball. Yeah. How old is he? 16. What, does he pitch? No, not yet. Not yet. He wants to pitch. So I think that by this summer, I wanted to be here. I didn't want to, like, throw him off on anybody and... and like, I have to be in control of that. Like, if there's, yes. you know what I mean? If there's one thing of course. that I mean, I'm going to show him to do, it's going to be it's gonna be me showing how to pitch. Pitchers so. who ever lived. So, yes. Uh, but the family thing. So, you started a family young. I did, too. Mm-hmm. And and um, I, you were younger than I was, but I was young. Um, uh, how uh, how did you, like, decide what was what you could sacrifice? Because you were trying not just to be a professional baseball player. You were trying to be the best pitcher in baseball, mm-hmm. right? You had that in your mind. And yet you had kids. Yeah. How did you balance that stuff? It, it helped. It made me better. How? Because I would like take games home. Like I would punch through walls. I would do crazy shit when I was young. If I didn't, if I wasn't pitching well, and my wife really didn't know how to deal with it. You know what I mean? She is not. She she is now, but she was not a baseball fan. Didn't understand baseball. Didn't really know I played baseball until I got drafted. Nobody did. Um, you know, I was just a football and basketball player. So nobody. Nobody really knew that I like was a this, this baseball player at my high school until the draft came, and I got drafted in the first round. I was like, "Wait, what? Like, really? what the fuck's going on?" Yeah, right. it, was, it was weird. So um, she didn't really know how to deal with like my mood swings and all of that shit. You know, dealing with a twenty three year old, you know, trying to pitch in the big leagues, trying to find his way, and then we have uh, Carson, which is my oldest, and everything changed. I didn't really care when I came home after giving up four or five runs or, you know, not getting out of the fifth inning or not getting the win and things like that. It was just, I'm home with my son and it's time to relax and chill. I'll deal with that shit tomorrow. So it just kind of became part of my routine that like once I pitch and I leave the clubhouse, shit's over with. Right. And then like, I can't do nothing on, about you forced it. forced that on you. My family forced that on me. It right. wasn't even, Better than you know, when you were on the road. Because if you're on the road, I mean, I read your players' tribute. Obviously, when you were on the road, it was harder. Yeah. When I was on the road, it was harder. But when I was home, it, it was just dad's home and it's time to play. You know? Um, and, and it just, it was what right. it was. So it kind of just forced my routine to be on to the next. It was on to the next. It was on it's, to the it's next. It's weird. Another thing, I'm, I'm glad to hear the thing about, and I think you're right about that some people just have that innate ambition, drive, purpose. But most people, even if they make a lot of money, um, 
they can decide what information they want to share with their kids and their friends in the world. Mm -hmm. You're in a world where that's not possible. Mm -hmm. Your contract is, your financial situation is like just out there for the whole world to study. Is that weird, or you're just used to it? No, nah, I just your whole you're life? just used to it, and and I think it would it's, it, it made me open up, you know, my personal life, you know, huh. as far as you know, right. dealing with drinking and going to rehab and not wanting to be a secret, and and really for my kids, you know, and knowing that you know our family we have a history of addiction, and you know, my dad went to right. rehab, and like my kids need to be aware of that, you know, so no, I don't I don't feel like there should be any secrets as far as stuff that I go through, and I think that like. I've been through so much shit on and off the field that I can help people, you know, and I can help players. I can help guys that are with the Yankees, guys that, you know, I just know. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, that – everything that I've been through, I'm not ashamed of. Everything that, like – awesome. It's yeah, all, it's awesome. I mean, I, could, I own it all. It is what it is, and, and you know, it, it all made me who I am today. Where do you put all the ambition and focus that was in baseball now? Like, because, you, right, every, you, you were so determined to be the best and to win and bring championships – where does that ambition live in you? Or it, did you exercise it? Yeah, is it it's gone? gone. It's gone. It is gone. Like it's it, it. I mean, I literally threw it with that last pitch. Like I have no desire to be the best at anything anymore. That's I lived that life. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, and that might sound lazy and crazy no, and shit, I but like, search for that. That sounds incredible nah, to me. I, it's, it's. I'm so good. Like I'm so good. Like I feel great about everything that happened. You know what I mean? Like. I, I would change. I mean, everybody say would you? I would change a lot of shit. I would bring a lot of people back. You know, my dad, my grandma. There's a lot of people. Of I would, course. You know, I lost along the well, way in this live, journey. Yes, of course. Yeah, but but. But you uh, were able to breathe that out. I'm good. Like I'm so good. And and I I was down in spring training the last four days. I was down in Tampa, and I'm like, what the fuck am I doing here? Like I I, I hate to say that, but I, I signed up for the to be a special assistant right. because I thought I'll be missing it. And I know I can help a lot of kids and all that stuff. But when I got down there, I'm like. I don't really you don't miss need it as the grind much. Anymore. Nah, I don't really miss it as much. I mean, I want to be there, and I know I can help our team, and I know I can help the kids down there for sure. Um, but you don't have the – there's not the churn inside of you. Like when we look at Jordan, it's clear Jordan still has the churn. Mm -hmm. That's why he's got to do this. Like, do you get competitive? Nah, like, if you go play golf, do you but get competitive? That's, that's a, no, I don't. So what happens? And you, you, know what, you know what's crazy? Andy Pettig is so pissed at me because I don't give a shit. Like, really? I hit the ball away, snap, put the shit way over here. I don't give a fuck. Like, really? I'll just drop another one. Like, <laughs> I don't get pissed at all. Like, because I put so much into baseball and I cared about that shit so much and it would just consume me that I, I like, I did, I mean, I keep telling people I've been pitching big games since, since the 90s. You know what I mean? Like, if you think about it, 89, 90, I'm nine years old. Of course. If there's a big game to be played, if there's an all-star game, guess who's on the mound? Right. So I've been doing that shit for 30 years. Like, it's time to do something else, you know? Yeah, I really do. I, you know, this is one of the biggest questions when, when we're – because I know you watch Billions. That's how we met. Mm -hmm. One of the things Dave and I are so interested in is, like, why these guys can't stop. They have a billion dollars, and it's not enough. Yeah. Like, I, you know, why is two billion not – suddenly they decide two billion's not yeah. enough. Yeah, but, but, that, but I, that's – that, They have I, to keep That's winning. the athlete, in, I think, in them, and I think that – you can always, there's always potential to earn. You know what I'm of saying? Oh, so they can keep going. They yeah, can't step off the you, mound. Yeah. They you, can't throw there's the no pitch. retiring in that. You know what I'm saying? Like, wh wh where does it end? So if you play. Like, uh, for Axe, where does it end? Like, you just get more, just more and more and more. So, like, he wants to own an NFL team. Like, so, okay, that's gonna I drive him say, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say one small, sorry to my audience who, who I said this on another podcast. I'm just going to do a small brag about myself, but, uh, and I apologize in advance because it's relevant to this, which is, 
uh, I had occasion to be around Dominique Wilkins recently, mm -hmm. and we were on a basketball court, and I'm good at shooting a basketball. Like, I'm an <laughs> old, old fat white guy, but I can really shoot a basketball. And so I said to Nick, hey, we'd been trash talking online. I was like, come on, let's play a game of horse. And I beat him. And a lot of people were watching, and I beat him because I was shooting one-handed. He wasn't, you know, he didn't take it seriously at first. Then by the time he took it seriously, it was too I late. made three three-pointers <laughs> in one hand. But then he goes, no, we got to play it back right now. <laughs> right now. I go, now, I, my point of view was, it's over. I just beat Dominique Wilkins. I'm never playing again. But he goes, no, no, right now. We're playing again. I'm not letting you leave. And I go, all right, Neek. And then he goes to the half-court line, and he just makes five fucking half-quarters in a row. Jump shots. Pissed. And beats me. And I loved it. Because he was just like, none of this play. play there will be no bullshit anymore. I'm just going to. And he just went boom, 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 boom. It was awesome. But I saw in him the guy who went up against Michael he couldn't let it go. Yeah. But it sounds like you don't care. You nah, could you lose know what? Horse. So I had that situation. Yeah, I lost that horse to a guy in the gym about five years really? ago. And we were at our kids' uh, game, and I lost it. Uh, and there was a lot of people there, and I lost it, a horse. And I didn't give a fuck. Really? I just walked off. like, And, and he was like, oh, he was like, well, he wanted to shit talk me. You know what I'm saying? Well, but I don't yes. give a fuck, bro. Like, <laughs> I really don't. I really could care less. Like, like I, I mean, I don't know. But... My competitive shit don't work like that, you know. Like right. it worked at one thing. Basically. Yeah, it worked at one thing. You get me on the mound, and I'm ready to go. I'll, I'll kick anybody's ass. But like, I don't give a fuck about it. Like, you beat me at horse. Yeah, buddy, you're better than me. Like, <laughs> all right, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, like, and he yeah. really shit talked me for a long time. And but like, because well, it pissed because, him off that you know, I didn't care. Because you guys are like gods to us on the field. Like we know in real life, you're a human being. You're just a person, yeah. right? But you know, on the field. So the idea for every weekend athlete who's not really that good at sports but loves them, right? Like, for everyone who spent yeah. their life playing sports, but can he, never he be was, you. He was so mad that I wouldn't get at right. back at him. Oh, it's great. Well, you got the best of <laughs> Because, you know, you got, like, like uh, there's nothing like getting to throw a ball. Like, because what I do for a living sometimes is get, there's nothing like throwing a ball with a pro athlete if you're a guy like me who just loves sports. I was fine at them. I know. I could throw and catch and sort of get to throw with someone like you, a football with a guy who can really do it. It is thrilling because for a second... We can imagine it. That's yeah. what he's going through. I mean, he's it, telling us he's hearing the crowd in his head. But you know what's crazy you. is that I'm that too. So like I'm a huge fan. So like if you get me on a basketball court and if Don Monique was there or right. MJ's there, like I, I'm like I'm in awe. Yes. You know, like I'm 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 a big fan of people too. But yes. I, I feel like I'm way more normal guy than than any other athlete. That. If that makes sense. No, like, I get just, it. Well, because in my world, what I do, obviously, I'm around superstars every day of my life. I mean, none of it matters to me, but athletes are different. And same for like athletes, because you guys are able to do this superhuman thing that we've all tried to do, and we can't quite do it on that level. By the way, as cool as I was around Neek, years ago, I was in a gym with Jordan, and uh, I'll tell you the story off mic. It's great, but then there was there was a chance where. Uh, he gave me the ball, and he's like, make a layup. And I just missed the layup. I was so nervous because it was Mike. He talks I so couldn't... much shit, man. Like, he – because, you know, I've been knowing him for a long time now, too. Really? He, That's amazing. He yeah. gets you going, too. He can get me going. He can get me – now. he can get me going. Yeah, for sure. Oh, he well, because he that's well, that's what he's that's the best what in the he world does. at. Yeah, yeah, he can get he me could, going. If he were on his team, he could get you yeah. wanting to fucking kill, If I was kill, golfing right? with him, he, he, he could get me going for sure. So just a couple more questions. I'm going to let you go. Um What kind of life did you... Did baseball give you everything that you dreamed that it would give you? Like, has it... 
Was it completely satisfying? Uh, it succeeded everything that I could it have did. thought. Yeah, I mean, this has been incredible. Like, if you would have had a few years in the majors, that to you would have been like the dream. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I didn't. I never thought about playing for the Yankees or, I mean, playing with Derek Jeter, getting to play with A-Rod, Ichiro. I mean, I played with Robbie Alomar, Tomy. Like, incredible. I played with some real right. Hall of Fame guys. Um, and, yeah, I don't, I, like, I don't know what I thought it was going to be. But I didn't think it was going to be this, you know what right, I mean? Like this succeeded this, even better. I mean, this was this is even, you know. I mean, I, I, even when I'm driving in New York City every day, I'm like, man, I live in New York City. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's yeah. unbelievable to think that where I came from, I'm living in New York City and, you know, successful here. You know if that makes sense? Like, it's been, it's it been, totally it's been, makes, unbe- it's it, been unbelievable. It totally and, makes sense. And you know, baseball is, is giving me that life, and it's it's been crazy for sure. Lastly, you were the third lefty to strike out three thousand people. Mm-hmm. You joined. Steve Carlton and Randy Johnson. Mm-hmm. Does that does that like make? Uh, and then the way I was th- asking you if the Cy Young does, does, are you able now that you're done to go like, well, that those two guys are Hall of like that's incredible for sure, and and to be on that short list of African Americans, yeah, with Bob Gibson, with Bob Gibson and Fergie Jenkins, right? Um, that means more to me than than being the third lefty. Right. Those two lefties are like off the. You, you mean know, they're like the two greats? Yeah, two greatest. like I mean, I'm not gonna put myself in that fucking category. But you not are even in close. That category. I mean, but like if you look at their numbers and look at my I little, know like are, you yes. know, so I'm not even gonna try to put myself in that group. But to be in the group, you know, to be one of the 15 yes. black aces, to be, you know, the third, you know, African American. Black aces is African American players who got 20, 20 wins, right? That got 20 wins. Yeah. Right. So to be on that, that that means I get goosebumps now just thinking about it. that means a lot to me. To you know. For that little black kid in, in Vallejo or in Oakland and, you know, growing up in the Bay to see me standing on the mound. And, you know, that's what Dave Stewart was to me. So, yeah, that that means more than anything else for me. Incredible. Uh, and you are a Hall of Famer. I can't wait to see <laughs> you get – there's you. no doubt in my mind you're a Hall of Famer. And I'll be really excited for you when, when you get in. And thanks for all you gave to the Yankees. Uh, the Yankees are the only winning team I root for. I'm a, a Knicks and Jets fan, and Knicks I have to Jets. have one. Yes. Uh, Tiger, so Woods, Tiger Woods is my favorite team, so I root for Tiger Woods yeah. the most, and he's a winner. And then the Knicks, which kills me, And um, but I'm a Yankees fan. I'm a so. huge Raiders fan, so basketball and, uh, well, baseball, I'll be rooting for the Yankees, but basketball, I don't give, I'll, I'll root for whoever's good. Like, I don't have a team. I just like to watch basketball because I'm such a diehard Raider fan, and it's going to take us 20 fucking years to ever win another Super Bowl. So Hard Knocks was the best this year. Wasn't it wasn't. No, I it was loved terrible. it. Oh, it was the best. Oh, it was the well, you best. You wouldn't feel about that if it was the Jets and you watching no, it that was shit. The best. That shit was Antonio terrible. Antonio was the greatest. Knock on wood if you with me. Like, man, man, I mean, watching that Joker do that. Hey, everybody, CC about you. You can find listen to his podcast. What's the name of it again? R two C two. R two C two. Uh, and you can find him. Where are you online? Are you on Instagram? Or? Uh, yeah, it's just CC underscore Sabathia. And um, listen, one of the greatest athletes of our generation. Thank you so much for being here. Everybody, you can find me at Brian Koppelman on Twitter uh, or on Instagram. You can email me at the moment, bk at gmail.com. CC, thanks a lot, man. No problem. Thank you.